Guys wanna know how lame I am? This is so sick. This is the kind of shit that gets me excited now. In my shower, this is so sick. In my shower, my shampoo, my conditioner, and my body wash are all about to run out at the same time. And when I realized it this last week, probably the giddiest I've been in months. I am working it into every conversation like my grandfather when he got his gallbladder removed. You don't have to tell me it's fucking stupid. I know it's fucking stupid, but that shit never happens. It's like when the floating DVD logo hits the corner of the screen. It's magical. Replacing all three of those at once is going to be fucking spank material for me. I'm debating on making it the best of the week. Welcome to the Atomic Skull Podcast, everyone who hasn't already turned the episode off. My name is Matthew, and I'm going to keep the lame-ass, suburban, middle-aged, white dude train chugging along by talking about my monthly Meshuggah visit to Trader Joe's. Anyone who has listened to the program enough knows that, on paper, I love Trader Joe's, but in practice... I want it to die in a fire. I popped over there on one of my days off this week because I ran out of a bunch of shit from TJ's that I don't even fucking need. So, of course, I had to restock. I'm pulling into the parking lot, and the hate meter in my head is already running. It isn't that I've wholesale decided that it's going to be a shitty trip, but the bile is flowing. The bitterness is clocked on and honed in, and I am ready for war. Try me, bitch. Here is the fucking twist, you guys. I have no notes. I got a parking spot reasonably close to the door. I go to the entrance, and there's no obnoxiously oblivious white person standing in the doorway blocking traffic. I walk in, and it isn't particularly busy. They had mostly everything I wanted. I didn't forget the chocolate milk, which did happen last time. Checking out was a breeze. The cashier even flirted with me a little bit, which is always nice. And I have to tell you, he was lovely. I spent more time driving to the building than I spent in the building. I think I was the only guy there that day that didn't specifically have just a mustache, but as I've gotten older, I've realized the value in choosing the battles that matter. As I'm walking to my car, I'm thinking, for convenience purposes, this trip was great. But for comedy purposes, it was a total failure. But I'm still going to put it in the W category. I will take all the wins I can get. It went so well that on my way home, I decided I'm going to let it ride. And I'm stopping at Starbucks. Nothing or double. Specifically, the Starbucks that was the scene of the crime from the Long Bad Night story I had a couple weeks ago. By the way, I want to thank the few of you real MVPs out there who actually Venmoed me some coffee money, all of which directly went to my Starbucks card. I pull up to Starbucks. I got the closest spot to the door. I was in the building less than 10 seconds. It is possible that I may have also grabbed a couple of double cheeseburgers on the way home to celebrate everything going surprisingly well. But don't tell my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name. She'll probably just bitch me out. I hope that everyone who celebrated had a happy and productive, or maybe non-productive, 420 and was able to smoke, like, two or three marijuanas. I feel like that's as good of an excuse as any to shoehorn a conversation in about, you know, the pot. I've mentioned before on the show that I do partake in the devil's lettuce quite often. It's my glass of wine at night. It's the thing that I use to shut my brain off when I don't need it anymore. And let me tell you something, babe. 
it works. My brain is always annoyingly moving at faster miles an hour. But when I smoke, there's a certain level of stoned that when I reach it, I am good for precisely nothing. I have to tell you guys the story of the first time I had an edible. So I mentioned this before, I was a late bloomer with the ganj. I didn't smoke until I was 27. So many people around me tried to get me to smoke and I refused because when I went to school, I was told that literally everyone who smokes marijuana will eventually die of a heroin overdose. And while I was already suicidal at that age, a heroin overdose didn't seem dramatic enough for me. So I skipped smoking altogether. You know what though? I should have done it. People just told me that I need to do it. And that was never enough for me. People are idiots, myself included. Why am I going to listen to people who just tell me to do something without giving me a good reason why? Nobody bothered to explain why I should do it. If it was sold to me right out of the gate as a vacation from my brain, I would have turned into a cute little goth Willie Nelson in high school. So it was maybe about 10 years ago now that I had my first edible. It was an Oreo brownie, delicious, 150 milligrams. I don't need to tell you what I did, right? Yeah, the whole fucking thing. No one was around to tell me not to do it. And I didn't know any better. Plus, maybe you missed the first time. It was fucking delicious. I have no excuses only regrets. <laughs> so I ate the edible not knowing at all what to expect, right? My roommate at the time and I needed to go grocery shopping. So we went to Winco. The roommate would check in on me every few minutes while we were shopping, asking me how I was feeling. Even on the drive there, she's like, hey, how are you doing? Is everything good? I was fine. No issues felt nothing. I started actually wondering if it really was a pot brownie. I had gotten it from my dealer at the time who I had just had a little bit of a falling out with her after I accidentally fucked her for a little while and then made it weird. Matthew Kitson rule number 420, never fuck your dealer. So I was walking through the grocery store wondering whether or not she had maybe fucked me over and gave me an inedible edible, right? So we get to the front of the store, right where the checkout lines are, okay? And then all of the sudden, all I remember is a complete system-wide shutdown. All right, so the rest of the story from here on out, I'm going to be telling you mostly secondhand as it was told to me. We get to the front and are about to check out. And with no warning or preview, I just sit down on the ground and cross my legs. My roommate asked if I'm okay. And my response apparently was, quote, I don't want to do this anymore. So now my roommate has a cart chock full of groceries that have to be paid for and a Matthew that is sitting on the ground with a whole ass system failure, refusing to get up. People are staring. So the roomie is doing her level best to not turn this situation into a full-on sitcom. Hey, 
you got to get up because we need to pay for the groceries so we can go home. Somehow she manages to get me off my ass and put both my hands on the shopping cart. She asks if I want to load the groceries up on the little treadmill there or if I want to talk to the guy who is going to be ringing us out. I tell her that there is none chance I will be able to talk to a human person at that particular point in time. God bless her. She was very understanding. She says, okay, I'll talk to the guy and I'll put the groceries on the belt. Can you just go to the other end and bag the groceries up while I do the rest? Winco, if you've never been, is one of those places where you bag your own groceries. Apparently, when she asked me to do something completely reasonable, like bag my own groceries, I looked at her like she asked me to chop off my own fucking foot. I was petrified. Bless her heart. She says, just go sit down on the bench by the door and I will take care of everything. She has to point the bench out to me because at this point, I don't understand the concept of a bench, of an exit, or sitting. I find my way to the bench somehow, and I sat there and did nothing. I could have been sitting there for 10 minutes. I could have been sitting there for 10 hours. I could have been sitting there for 10 months. I am still not sure. I didn't get any trouble for missing work around that time, so I'm thinking it wasn't that long. But she comes and gets me on the way out the door and physically puts my hand on the shopping cart like I'm a fucking toddler. We walk to my car, which I should 100% be driving. She immediately offers to drive, blessed be. And she asks if I could just help her put the groceries in the trunk. Easy peasy. She might as well have asked me to construct a fucking space shuttle. She just tells me to sit in the car, which I am surprisingly able to do, and she drives home. I do remember apologizing profusely for not being able to do anything to help. She is smart enough at this point to not even ask me if I'm able to help bring the groceries in. I go into what was possibly our apartment and find what might have been my bedroom and manage to figure out how to lay down on what was probably my bed. I remember her helping me out a little bit to get into the shower. Showers always help everything. I don't even know how long I was in said shower. I might still be in there. All I know is that at some point I fell asleep and then that night, I ended up eating all $400 of the food that we had just bought for the entire fucking month. That first time was a wild ride. Especially after that, I learned to never really go anywhere when I'm high. And I don't. You'll catch me maybe at a gas station buying snacks or maybe at a movie if I have an escort. But otherwise, I'm... A relatively good boy. I stay home. I keep my pieces I smoke out of nice and clean. I am the responsible stoner. One thing that I'm not really a fan of though is stoner culture. People who make smoking weed their entire identity. Everything they have has some sort of a pot leaf on it or whatever. I've never been that guy. I don't really have a favorite strain of weed or anything like that. I'm not picky. I don't care. One of the things that I really like about weed being normalized and legalized is that it makes it more mainstream and less cool, if that 
makes sense. It's becoming less of a full-on lifestyle and more of just something that a lot of people do. And I do recommend that everyone try it. I recommend everyone try everything at least twice just to see if you like it, weed included. But I know it isn't everyone's thing. I don't think that all the world's problems would be solved just because everybody gets high. And because someone else thinks you'll like something doesn't mean it's going to be a slam dunk for you. My life is chock full of people who are completely dumbfounded by the idea that I don't like The Smiths or Nightmare Before Christmas because based on the person that I am, I'm supposed to like those things, but I fucking don't. It doesn't mean they're bad, just means they're not for me. In honor of 420, I did want to share a couple of stories that were sent to me. These are, they're not directly pot smoking stories, but they are totally weed inspired. They fucking better be. The first one is a news story from Gilbert, Arizona, which is right near me, where someone stole a giant 15 foot red spoon statue off of a Dairy Queen grill and chill. There is no way in this physical universe we occupy that you are going to convince me the person who stole that spoon was not higher than a pterodactyl's vulva. No sober person is driving by that building thinking, I'm going to get that spoon. It was found on the grass near a middle school baseball field a few days later by a guy playing Pokemon Go. I love stories that get more ridiculous as they progress. There is this picture of a police officer. I'm going to post it on my Instagram. At Atomic Skull Podcast. Follow me, fuckers. It is a picture of a police officer placing this giant red spoon on top of his vehicle to return to the Dairy Queen. That's some hard-hitting police work right there. Yeah, I, I transported a giant spoon back to an ice cream place today. Got a free blizzard. I wish I could get my hands on the report that cop filed. I bet it is pure fucking comedy. The second cannabis-infused story that I have for you involves the one, the only, the legendary Afro Man. So this one, no matter where it ends up, is just grandfathered in. Seven Ohio police officers are suing Afro Man for using their faces in a music video that he uploaded to YouTube for a song called Will You Help Me Repair My Door from footage that was captured from an August 2022 raid of Afro Man's home stemming from charges that were later dropped. The police officers are claiming that the harassment they have received from being in the video is causing them, quote, emotional distress, embarrassment, ridicule, loss of reputation, and humiliation, end quote. First off, the song title is objectively hysterical. Let me just say that up front. Secondberg, in what way have the police officers had a loss of reputation? Isn't raiding a rapper's home part of the police academy final exam? The police officers are suing for all profits from the song, all profits from the tour, and all profits from the merchandise related to the music video because of course they are. Now, everybody be prepared to choose your flavor of bullshit because you are about to get some from both sides. Afro Man's attorney, in a statement, said, quote, It is unfortunate 
that the officers have been harassed by third parties as a result of the video, but not at the direction of my client, and he had nothing to do with it, end quote. Uh-huh. Not that I'm going to sit here and tell you that Afro Man directly had anything to do with the harassment, but what else could possibly have been the intended outcome of uploading that video? Did he think his fans were going to send the police officers cookies? Meanwhile, Afro Man is countersuing the police department because he claims the police officers who raided his home stole $400 from him during the raid. In response to that, a review was conducted by the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation, and that review concluded that, quote, the deputies had miscounted the amount of money that was seized during the raid itself, end quote. Well, isn't that fucking convenient? And look at that. I somehow managed to tell a story about Afro Man that had nothing to do with weed and tell a story about a giant spoon without making one single heroin joke. Where is my Peabody? Now we are going to move on to the snobby music perspective and thoughts portion of the show where I share my snobby music perspective and thoughts. He said, surprising no one. I am going to do my best to make it interesting for you guys, but this is something that has been on my mind grapes this week, and I don't really have anyone that is readily available to sit down with a cocktail and just talk to about this kind of thing in particular, so that is your guys' tough shit for this section of the program. I will have dick jokes for you down the line, you guys. Don't worry. We're going to talk about, you know, dicks that are so big they could fuck a tuba, dicks so big they have an elbow. I've been throwing that shtick around and ripping those jokes off for so long that I don't even remember where I first heard them, which through some sort of weird logic that I haven't even created yet, somehow might actually make them mine. But I'm going to have dick jokes coming at you ha, very soon, so bear with me. I have gotten a boatload of requests to talk about the new Metallica album. It's a smaller boatload, but a boatload nonetheless, all right? I am a big Metallica fan. I have been since I was a kid. I've got one of their logos tattooed on my arm. I've seen them in concert a ton of times, the whole schmear. And I like the new album. There's a ton of really awesome guitar work in it. Guitar is the instrument that definitely is the closest to my heart. So I am a hoe for a good, loud, chunky guitar riff. And the first song that they released off the album a few months ago, Lux Eterna, is proof positive that Metallica can still pound out a killer rock radio single whenever they want to and can still make it look easy. But at this point in their career, they only have to do one of those things per album. The rest of the album can pretty much be whatever it is they want it to be. And that's what they did with this new one, which it's called 72 Seasons. The songs are going to sound amazing live. I cannot wait to see them in September. But there's not really any particular song on the album that I see myself listening to on repeat over the next several months. Nothing particularly jumped out at me. Metallica has always had pretty good lyrics in their songs, but especially with these last few albums, I think that James Hetfield, the singer and the lyric writer, I think that he's been moving forward a lot with the mental health issues that he's been struggling with his whole life. Must be nice. So he's writing 
lyrics about that. Music makes me feel feelings, and the lyrics are obviously a big part of that for me. But his lyrics haven't really resonated as much with me like they did in his early stuff and when I was a little bit younger. And it got me thinking, maybe this particular Metallica album isn't for me. You know, I wonder if it resonates better with people who are a little more on the other side of addiction and struggles the way he is. I'm very much open to the idea of music that is released not being for everyone, right? We're going to take a little bit of a left turn here to a place I can promise you you're not going to see coming. My thoughts about the latest Metallica songs also makes me think of... Lana Del Rey, which is not a sentence that you're going to hear spoken out loud very often, I assure you. My amazingly awesome sister, Georgia, who I miss every time we aren't hanging out and getting drunk. Check out episode 16 for an example of that Mishigas, by the way. Georgia worships Lana Del Rey. And of course, I listened to her new album as well, which is called Did You Know There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard. Lana is an incredibly talented musician. Good lyrics, good music, piano-based. I recognize the quality, no doubt. But I think her music also just isn't for me. As someone who values lyrics as much as I do, I can appreciate the idea of music with lyrics that focus exclusively on the female experience, but I can't really relate to it that much, which means I listen to her stuff maybe a couple of times, and then that's probably it for the most part. But like I said in my stupidly long music origin episodes way back at the beginning of this whole shit show, just because it doesn't hit you doesn't mean you can't recognize the talent. I wish Lana's music lifted maybe a little bit more, few more instruments, more crescendos, but I also think that would take away from the rawness of what she's doing. She's an artist. She's putting herself out there and inviting me and all of you to join her on the journey, and that isn't something that I get to control. But also, there's no reason to talk shit just because I don't get it. Maybe I'll shoot some beer cans about it or something. Speaking of music, and excellent segues. Let's get to the best and worst of the week, both of which are coming from Coachella. Best of the week is what we're going to call the old bees. Bjork, Blondie, and Blink-182. I was able to watch most of all three of their performances, and they tore it up on stage. Debbie Harry from Blondie is a true living legend. She does not get enough credit for the badassery that she has created over the last 45 fucking years since she had a part in damn near inventing punk rock back in the CBGB umfunk days. Her voice still holds up. Her stage presence still holds up. Her band still holds up. It was incredible. And Bjork who is one of those highfalutin artists that I will say It's Oh So Quiet is one of my favorite songs and videos of the 90s. But otherwise, I feel like I eat too many animal products to really appreciate Bjork. Her music and her performances are both a small part of a bigger statement that she's trying to make with her work. She's incredibly talented, and she did this amazing thing with a bunch of drones over the Coachella stage, which was pretty fucking sweet. And then, of course, there's my boys Blink-182. I have seen Blink-182 in concert more than any other act in my life. 13 times. I tried to get tickets to their last tour with zero luck. 
I maybe have a shot at seeing them in October, but the dildo store won't approve my time off. You wouldn't think that a live performance that starts off with a song that has the lyrics shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits, fart, turd, and twat and ends with the sentence, I fucked your mom, would make me that emotional. But I was holding back fucking tears watching them come out on stage, do Family Reunion, Anthem Part 2, and then launch into the rock show, which is one of my favorite songs of theirs. It was so fucking wonderful getting to see them play that show. And that brings me to the gold star question of the week. What is the single best live song performance that you have ever seen at any show that you have attended? Gotta narrow it down to one song for me. Atomic Skull Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can slide into my Instagram DMs or Curveball, my TikTok as well. I wipe the dust off that motherfucker and I'm starting to pay a little more attention to it. Instagram and TikTok at Atomic Skull Podcast. Slide into them DMs and give me an earful about the single best song performance you've ever seen live and tell me why. I always love the why part of it. For the worst of the week, I know it's hacky ass, low hanging fruit, but I'm definitely going to have to give it to Frank Ocean for taking a giant shit on stage Sunday night at Coachella. That's literally pretty much all he did besides disappoint everyone in the entire fucking crowd. Here's the tea for those of you guys who need a drink. So Frank Ocean, I guess, suffered an ankle injury maybe a few days before the show or like a week before or something like that. It was pretty recent and it had put him in a really shitty headspace, which ended up causing him to change the whole show around, I guess. Apparently, there was this whole ass ice rink that was built just for his performance with ice skaters that were apparently going to do a bunch of awesome choreographed shit. But on the day of the show, Ocean just 86'd it. And some of the skaters ended up just kind of awkwardly walking around on stage. I guess they still wanted to get paid. Completely fair. It was weird, but it gets weirder. For part of the show, Ocean brought out a DJ that played a few of his songs, like remixes of his songs, while he just fucked off and went to the side of the stage. And then he brought out a kid to play some of his songs on piano. He introduced the kid as his inner child and then fucked off the stage again. I read an article somewhere that whatever happened to Ocean with his ankle put him in a shitty mental place for the show. Okay, so... First and foremost, if there's one thing you guys know about me, it is that I do way too many food metaphors. But the second thing that I hope you guys know about me is how much of a bitch mental health struggles can be and how I understand that. I get it. Earlier, I was talking about how artists, first and foremost, have a responsibility to themselves. And I believe that. One of the things that I can't believe the internet gets away with is how much people light up George Martin about finishing his Ice and Fire books before he dies. What a shitty fucking thing to say to someone. Those books, those characters, that story, those do not belong to us. They belong to him. And if he doesn't finish them, particularly because he dies, that is his own fucking prerogative. However, as a performer, first and foremost, you have a responsibility to your audience. There have been episodes of this shit show, even somewhat recently, where I had to take a break from recording because I was not doing well and you could damn near hear me fighting back tears while I was trying to tell jokes about taking shits in public. That fucking sucks, man. I chose a medium 
where I have the luxury of another take. As a live performer, the agreement that you make with your paying audience is that when you go on stage, you are going to do your absolute fucking best. If he can't give that, it's completely understandable, but Ocean should have stepped aside so that somebody else could, because that's what ended up happening anyway. Coachella replaced Frank Ocean on the second weekend with Blink-182. Come to think of it, Blink was kind of announced last minute as a second stage act for the first weekend. I wonder if Coachella knew Ocean was going to take a shit and then brought Blink in because they had plans to replace him on the second weekend. That would be some tea for fucking sure. And then before I go, since music has kind of hijacked this episode, I gotta make sure that I get to the song of the week. I feel like I've name dropped a bunch of songs already, but I've had this particular song stuck in my head lately, and I wanted to give you the story of why before I lay it on you. So not technically a dildo chronicle, but this did happen at the dildo store. We have a few new hires and one of them is a young man, 21 years old, nice kid, but he's a little cocky, a little arrogant. I feel like a lot of us had our own version of that when we were younger. We thought we had lived a little bit of life and maybe knew some things. For me, it isn't that I wasn't smart. I did have a relatively okay head on my shoulders, but I thought when I was young like that, that I was wise. Not the case. Same thing with this kid. He thinks he knows some shit and it's kind of adorable to see it happen in real time when it's not me making the shitty decisions, right? I'm gonna tell you guys what I kept telling him. I cannot stress these two words enough. Stay humble, right? So this kid starts coming for me a little bit because he saw that I have a bunch of music-related tattoos on my arm. We started talking about like songs and artists and stuff that we both like, and as the conversation progressed, he said, I bet I know more about music than you do. And it was a day where literally the entire team was working. God bless everyone. They all laughed literally right in his face. There is a pretty eclectic playlist on at the dildo store these days. So he started busting out the old reliable, who sings this? And bless his little heart, not only would I answer the song title, but I would also tell him the artist, the album, and for most of the songs, the year that it was released. I started doing that thing that I do where I like overshare stupid facts about music and the whole team felt like they had to listen to me because they were being nice and they were at work. God bless them. I caught myself doing it and that's why I fucking hate myself. But he would come back after I gave him my answers with, yeah, I knew that one too. But it was like cringy how much he was obviously lying through his teeth. And look, if things around me get a little cringy, I am coming for it. I am going to maximize the cringe and make it straight up fucking weird. So that's just what I did. The next song that came on, he asked me what it was. And I told him, all right, man, since you know every single song that's come on, but you won't say it first, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write the name of the song and the artist on a sticky note, and I'm going to hand it to someone else on the team. And then I want you to tell all of us who sings this song or what the name of the song is, and we'll see if our answers match. I couldn't even tell you what bullshit he pulled to get out of doing that because I was laughing so fucking hard at him. I was barely listening. But eventually, 
he admitted that he didn't know as much as he thought he did and he calmed down about the whole music thing. Good for him being able to actually come clean about that after, you know, puffing his chest out a little too much. And I mean that. Humble Pie can definitely give a hell of a stomach ache. So the song that I wrote down on the sticky note, I haven't been able to get out of my head since. And I had forgotten how much I fucking love the song. And that song is Lido Shuffle by Boz Skaggs. I'm a sucker for a good horn section in a song. And Lido Shuffle is such an earworm. It's on the Atomic Skull podcast songs of the week playlist on Spotify. It is the companion song to this episode. So after you listen to the show, be sure to check it out. Even if you know it, it is always worth hearing again. I would definitely put it on the belt it out of the top of your lungs while driving home on your Friday category. Quick little postscript to that music challenge story. I had told my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, the same story that I just told you guys because of course I did. And when she came into work to see me the next day, she met the little young blood for the first time and her immediate response to the introduction was, you were the one who tried to step up to my husband in music, weren't you, you poor thing? Set off a laugh bomb with everyone that was there. A plus for her. And that's what I have for you guys this week. Thank you so much for being so amazing. Thank you for listening to The Shit Show and having some fun with me. You know it means the world to me. And if you don't, I'm not afraid to tell you again, Y'all mean the fucking world to me. Still got some big things that I'm working on for this year. Hopefully things that I will let myself talk about soon. I just don't want to make promises that I can't keep. So I am biding my time and making sure that everything is in place. Love you guys to Della Reese's Peace as always. Apologies to my mother-in-law. And how are you doing? 